Tom, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much for, for being here, dude. It's an absolute honour to have you here, dude. Thank you for having me, my man. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. We just chat a little bit before the show. It's very, very rare that two six for eight people ever get a chance to have a little chin work. So it's going to be sick, man, because I'm sure we uh, we have a few few views and opinions different to a hell of a lot of people on this uh, on this panel. <laughs> 100%. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's really, really cool. It's... I've been following you for a little while now, and I've got to say, man, I'm so impressed with, with where you've come and what you've done in, in such a short space of time. And I kind of remember and look back, you know, four or five years ago, and, and it feels like it's a, it's a different Tom we saw back then to the man that, that's sitting here and chatting today, man. Honestly, your, your personal development has been incredible to watch, just in and of yourself, you know, the confidence that you exude now especially on camera with your YouTube channel. Like, it's, it's really, really, really cool to watch. So I kind of I want to touch on that to start off with, man, because I know you've struggled in the past. I know you've had, had issues with things. Obviously, the autism plays a part in it as well, which, you know, isn't necessarily very, very easy. And a lot of people do struggle with and don't really understand how to kind of tackle it and combat it and support people that do struggle with that. So for you, what has this journey been like and what does it mean to you to be able to kind of go out there and do these things that you probably never thought that you could do being around these huge crowds in these arenas talking to thousands and thousands of people on a daily basis in front of one of these things which for a lot of people is it's mad bro it's absolutely mad so how have you found that kind of journey in and of yourself yeah i mean like you said you're obviously i've got autism and I try and raise as much awareness as I can for that, you know, because, well, it's Autism Awareness Month right now, today, big day here. So, you know, like, for me, it was all my family, you know, going right back when kind of I was younger. I was always uh, football. Football was my life. Like, as soon as I, it's always been Luke that's been the one to kind of push me into those kind of different routes because obviously Luke's 10 years older than me. Uh, so, See, when I was born, he was like 10 years old, maybe going on to 11. So, like, he put a football beside my feet. Luke was a really good footballer as well. He played for, like, a local football team, got a few trials at Ross County and stuff. So, like, we were both okay. mad into football. So, uh, yeah, I just grew up with that, like, football, football, football. Every time I was in school, football. When I was out of school, it was like, I was playing football in the like summer holidays from 9am till 6pm at night you know like just with loads of mates and stuff so yeah uh, I was like the, I was a Scottish Peter Crouch that's what they call him so, so skinny <laughs> yeah so that's what people don't realise like how kind of looking back then how kind of skinny I was self-conscious anxious stress you know just but I always thought I always didn't like what people thought of me you know like I always that used to always go into my head and be like, oh, he thinks I'm crap at football or he doesn't like me. And it used to always stick to me. Um, but then, you know, I didn't really play. I played football all the way up till I think it was about 15, maybe 14, 15. And then uh, all my mates started going away to uni and college and stuff. And I was like, you know, there's not really anything else to do then, you know, because 15, 16 year old, it was quite hard to get into a new sport. Yeah. Like I wanted to obviously be a professional at setting and football wasn't going to happen. So I was already 16 setting like what we're going to do. So yeah. that's when I kind of, you know, the autism still was bad there because I didn't really, all I, all I was comfy on was my friends and people I knew. So I never wanted to do something that would put me into like a uncomfortable yeah. situation, you know? So 
I just kind of locked myself into my room, played the Xbox like most teenagers do, and literally, <laughs> yeah, and it was still summer, so literally I was in my room then from going to playing football to in my room from like nine to five, literally every day playing Xbox, and then putting on a bit of like bad weight, getting stressed up all night. I'm just kind of like, then it was kind of my brother said, oh, why don't you come to the gym? You know, and Luke then took me into the gym. I think I was 16 years old because you have to be 16 to go to a gym, like the council gym. So uh, I tried to go in when I was 15, but it was just cardio and I didn't really like that. So anyway, 16 came, Luke took me in and uh, like I said, you know, it was... I, I called it with Luke, I felt okay, but like I didn't talk to anyone, my head was down. All I was there to do was to lift weights. Luke tells me what to do, and I go home. I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong. It was just Luke telling me, this is what you do. And this, I, I followed him because, obviously, he had experience. So, like, I didn't know if he was telling me to deadlift wrong or not. I was just like, <laughs> okay, then, I'll do it. So, and then I was getting, like, the same as well. Like, as I said, like, I was really skinny, glasses, you know, and, uh, like, there was girls lifting more than me. Then, obviously, Luke lifting loads more than me as well. And I was like, why am I in here? I'm wasting Luke's time. I'm lifting a bar. Like, people always ask me, what did you lift when you first started the gym? But, like, I could only lift a bar and everything. I could only bench press 20K. I squatted 40K and deadlifted 40, 50K. So, like, you know, to do that and then, like, looking at girls, looking at men, you're like, the heck she doing that? How the hell yeah, he doing that? And I was, just, it was all getting into my head. And then, obviously... I was only wanting to go to the gym for just to be more confident, have more social skills, you know, and kind of try try and speak to more than like two or three people at the time. And yeah. like, I just kind of, you think it's usually, my mind usually tells me I'd usually quit. You know, I'd usually go, right, this is too hard for me. That's me done, you know, like, but I just kept sticking at it. And then, cause like, like I said, I, I used to watch Strawman when I was younger, like the Marius Puskanovskis and the Derek Poundstones. And Marius, I was like, Everyone picks up a Flex magazine and goes, oh, I want to be a bodybuilder. But like Marius was that shredded guy, looked amazing, looked like a proper athlete. And then I was just kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to be like that. And uh, But I never thought that. I'm never going to be like that. I just thought I was going to be a really skinny boy just with some biceps and stuff. But then, anyway, like fast forward a year, I went to do one of, I think it was his first Scotland Strongest Man or second one. And I went down to watch, you know, because obviously from TV, then to see your brother competing, it would be cool. So when I went down to watch and see him, like, lift cars and lift logs and stones in real life and the crowd, I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. I want to follow in Luke's footsteps. You know, for me, the gym, like, the gym was a boring part, like going in, everybody's staring at you, you're lifting dumbbells, people looking in the mirrors, trying to do all these grunting noises and stuff and try and make you, like, feel like they try and make you, like, an alpha male, you know, whereas... Yeah. When when I when I then when I when it be the straw man kind of thing, it was like even when I was watching Luke down there, everyone was like shaking hands, cuddling, you know, they were all just friends and big like family. And I was like, well, you know, I want to do this. The crowd's loud. The and then like I got back, went to a straw man gym and started just uh, kind of training straw man. And then like we we're very good friends of the Cerberus owners. Uh, they actually trained us. So Peter McDonald who on Cerberus, uh, he's from Inverness, so yeah. he took us to his gym and the gym and forge gym in Inverness, it's called. And uh, that's when we started. I started doing my first kind of strawman stuff, and just uh, the nice thing was it was just a four, like four or five of us. So, like, I got used to these guys, and then 
you know, I was physically strong, but I wasn't mentally strong. Uh, so, like, I entered, kind of started into the junior comps and stuff, and, like, I just put so much pressure on myself. You know, my first comp, second comp, I wanted to, like, win, whereas I should be just having fun and, like, you know, going, oh, oh I'm going to win this, where I know I'm not going to, and then I don't yeah. win. My head goes all mental. So, yeah, it was, it was a very hard kind of road in Strawman at first because... Like the interviews, like you said, and the crowds. I mean, there wasn't much of a crowd, but like even going to Scotland's strongest qualifier, man qualifier, there was still maybe 60, 70 people there. Yeah, man. And I got past that and then I was like, oh, there's no mic, there's no TV, that's fine. But then when you go to Scotland's, you get on a mic. But then when you go to UK's, that was my first experience of TV was like UK strongest man when I was like 19. And I was like, I can't do this. That's what I said to Luke. I said, I'm, I, I only want to do national level because I can't talk on TV. And then that's why Luke had to talk for me. And then they gradually started doing like weird interviews for me and just introducing me slowly and stuff. Like going down to the level where people have additional needs, like needs, like they needed to repeat themselves, mm. write stuff down. And I mean, that they were so supportive. Like everyone in Strongman supportive. Every single athlete has done it. Giants live. World strongest man, Woos. Everybody knows me now, and like I can just talk for Britain now. But like to do that, I mean, it was really, it was really hard because I had to kind of psych myself up, not for the competition, but for speaking to people. So like I used a bit extra energy than other people because like you know, Giants Live, Britain's strongest man, ten thousand people. The first time I went there, I was like, uh, should I? That, my wife, I was like, tomorrow, should I? Let's go. Like I can't do this, and then. Uh, she had to do like breathing techniques for me, really calm me down. And this mm. wasn't because of the show, this was just because there were so many people and lights on me. Just doing you know, nerves and, yeah. and then, yeah, and then there was one show as well at Britain's, I think it was 2017. I was still kind of like edgy with crowds and stuff. And that's when I ended up coming 30. So last at Britain's Strongest Man. And like, this was a year that people were saying Tom's going to win and stuff. And like, I was physically strong, but it was just my mental, like with everyone. So, like, as soon as I'd done that comp, I said to my wife, Sinead and Luke, that I've quit strong and that's me done. So, like, I took four months off the sport and mm. after that Britain Strongest Man and, like, really kind of got my, me mentally strong, you know? Like, I was just like, that was a hurdle and uh, I was wanting to come back stronger. So I started, like, doing some interviews in the gym just in front of a few people, getting lights okay. and getting the spot. Yeah, cool. Just really kind of, like, helped me. And then even, like, so then I when I... When I so I did that for a few months and started training. And then, like, that was the best thing that happened to me because, like, I stopped putting pressure on myself and then just started, like, having fun. So any comp after the competitions after that, like, I won Scotland's, you know, uh, got to World Stars Man, etc. And I really just, every competition I did from that moment, it was like, just go have fun, you know. Pretend it's a training session you're with. Ten other strong men, just go and have some fun with it. And there's people watching you. And that's exactly what, people do in the gym with me and Luke Lift is they watch us, they make noise and that's how I started seeing competitions, like blocking out kind of the 10,000 people and just really focusing on myself and having fun and that's uh, really helped me because like, you know, you see people now on social media or Tom's this, Tom's that, Tom's the next world's best in the world, you know, he's the king of the stones but I never look at that anymore, I used to always like go through each comment and go, right, he want I have to be the best, or he doesn't think I'm good, you know. And that, like I said, it was a mind thing. But now I just can like, you know, you could say I'm the crappiest strongman in the world, or 
you're the best strongman in the world. And it would just be like words to me. I have to kind of still, I always feel like I have to kind of, like I'm always in the sport for myself. And again, that's another thing that's made me mentally strong because with football and team sports, you can hide behind people, you know, and you don't have to step up and be that person that goes, right, I need to take this to the next level, like, drive my team. Whereas yeah. with straw man, it's like, you don't perform. You're it's you. out in the open. It's your fault, you know? So, yeah. and that's why I like it because like, I'm getting put in uncomfortable positions. Yeah, Luke's with me, but Luke's a straw man competitor as well. He can't just baby me and say like, do this, do that. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a kind of, weird journey because I don't think if I don't if I didn't hit the gym or kind of took Luke's advice of going to the gym I probably would have just been sitting at home doing nothing and not, not being kind of successful not have a wife not like you know have a house and stuff so it's been a really good life I just it's just myself kind of you know after that coming last just putting myself in uncomfortable situations you know even when like now with the YouTube stuff and uh, the Milligans I even like make them, they do all the spotlight stuff as well, so I, I'm always under the spotlights, you know, so, because there is sometimes I'll still be, like, a bit nervous on the TV, or if it's someone new that I'm talking to, I'm like, oh, crap, you know, like, get a wee bit worked up a wee bit, you know, so, I need to just, I, but it's just practice, like, you know, YouTube, you see the first few YouTube videos, um, Luke's talking all the time, and I'm just like, yeah, buddy, like, like, comment, subscribe, you know, then I started the phase, stay safe, smile, stay spicy, and I'll come out of my shell more, you know, and I'm a funny guy. I don't put any of this kind of stuff on. It's just me, you know. If I have a if I have a good day, I'll show that on YouTube. If I've been fighting with the missus or someone's let me down, YouTube will see that as well. So I don't just put on kind of like the acts and stuff now. So I try and stay as real and just what you see from me is 100% me. So, yeah, it's been a good road and a road I've never changed like stuff. So. Yeah, 100%. And you can see the authenticity as well. And I think I think that's a really nice thing with the both of you too. Do you know what I mean? Like from the get-go, you know, you and Luke have, have been really, really transparent. And even when it boils down to interviews and stuff, you know, you, you, you tell it exactly how it is. And I think that's why, you know, you guys built such great respect in such a short amount of time outside of your incredible sporting prowess. But I'm really interested to get back to what you said there about the whole idea of, you know, you struggling with these interviews and the spotlights and being in, in, in that situation. If no one's competed in like a higher level show, being indoors with lights and stuff, it's really, really, really disorientating. Especially if you're used to training in the gym and then grassroots strongman, you go outside, you have no point of reference for anything when you're competing anyways. So you're looking up at the sky. Now you come into an arena show. Okay, well now there's 10,000 people staring at you in the fucking face while you're trying to do a deadlift. How daunting is that? Okay, I don't know what my body looks like. I don't know where I am in space and I've got 10,000 eyes on me and I've got spotlights in my eyes too. That is crazy to go from, you know, explode up through Scotland's strongest to get onto the UK scene, to get onto these huge things. But the massive takeaway that I had there was the fact that you were practicing. You were practicing in the gym. You were doing these interviews and stuff and, and you were giving yourself those stimuli that you knew that your body didn't respond to well. But the only way that we get over these things is to grow and try them and practice them and practice them and practice them. And as they say, you know, practice, well, as I say, practice makes permanent. You know, if you keep on practicing those things and you do it right and you do it in the right way, then yeah, you're, you're just going to become so much more naturally gifted at it. And you can see it now. And, you know, I'm so glad that you touched <laughs> on it with, with all of your YouTube stuff because 
like you said, you, you look from that first video to now and it's, it's really, really nice to see you just get more comfortable behind the camera, get more oh, comfortable yeah. behind the lens and actually people then just get an even better insight as to what you're actually like because now you're actually able to open up. People could see how fucking funny you are, man. Like all the little comments <laughs> that you make in your YouTube videos, they absolutely get me. I just sat at my dinner table just chuckling away at the stuff you come out with. It's brilliant. It's really, really cool. But I love it because you're inspiring all those other people that may be in the same situation as you, maybe struggling with these things, maybe, you know, you know, battling a really hard struggle with autism and it getting the better of them. But to hear it from such a success story like yourself, I think that gives a lot of people a lot of hope. And I think that's really, really, really cool. I do I massively appreciate you kind of talking about it quite so much. But being a tall guy, being six foot eight, I remember when I first stepped into the gym. So I got into the gym through rugby. I was scouted for Harlequins Academy, um, the, the rugby team. And I was part of their strength and conditioning uh, like squad or whatever from a very young age. And I remember stepping into the gym at like 13. That was the first time I ever really went into the gym. And people there are like 15, 16, squatting hundreds of kilos. And I'm there six for eight, lanky as shit, have no muscle on my body whatsoever. And dude, I couldn't even squat with a 10 kilo plate out in front of me. Like my body would just crumble to pieces. So I'm interested to hear from you. When you first started, what was like the one or couple of exercises that just kicked your ass, that you really, really struggled to get your head around to and to really kind of grow up? And kind of what do you feel like that is now? Yeah, I mean... 100% it's squat and a bench press. Um, yes. I, didn't, I, couldn't actually, I couldn't really actually do much push pressing in the gym because the roof was too low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's all people problems, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, bench, it's just squat for me was really bad, especially, like you said, being like lanky, no muscle and stuff. And just it was very uncomfortable positions, you know, especially when you didn't really know how to do it. You have to. I'd have that pad on my back as well because uh, bar digging into your like uh, spine bit was really kind of sore. So again, I had that, and then squat was the one that took me. I think I took two two years just so to even get up to like two hundred and twenty, two hundred in the uh, gym, just because it was so so like painful and so felt so unnatural doing that position. And the same with bench press. You know, um, till to this day, for me, bench press is the worst exercise you can do in the gym. I hate every minute of it. I just think the injuries are... People do it as an ego lift, which for me is a, like injuries just... I've seen so many people injure themselves doing bench press, just trying to show off, you know? And I just don't... I For me, again, the long levers, you know? Like when I first started that, I thought it took me like an hour just to take it up to my chest. And then obviously, like you didn't know about the arch or anything there. You didn't really know how to bench. So like I just flat chest. So like I said, it yeah. took me no pecs either. So I was like, until like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I was a bit more built, chest bench became a bit easier. But like at the start, man, it was, oh, it was unbelievable. It took me so long again to build that up. I mean, I, I think there was a year that I, I think it was a year and a half I was stuck at the same weight. I think it was a 130 I was stuck at for a year and a half. And then, Four of my friends took over me by 12k, and then all of a sudden, my bench just started going up. But yeah, you know when you get that sticky point and you can't do it, and that was just the most frustrating thing in the world. It was just, oh, bench press was bad. And then it, going fast forward to now, I still don't, uh, I still don't like squatting. <laughs> Although I can squat a decent amount and still like 
I mean, I enjoy it more, but I just still in a very hard person, you know, unnatural position. I still struggle to, to where to put the bar, you know. In World Strawers, man, we use axle bars, and they're even harder than a normal bar. So yeah. it's just, like I said, you know, I just wish I was like, sometimes I wish I was five foot one, five foot two, and just <laughs> same with Scott. And I mean, again, pressing's obviously a disadvantage for long, uh, with long levers and stuff. But I love log press. You know, I have started to love log press because of look. But um, like I've really kind of excelled in that and excelled in the pressing just by practicing it. You know, so. Um, yeah, log press I love, but squats still for me are like to this day the worst exercise. You know, yeah. I think every tall person will say squatting is like, oh my days, man. you think you're going parallel as well, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you're only like this much down, <laughs> <laughs> and it's taking you four and a half hours to get to yeah, what yeah. you think is parallel, <laughs> then yeah. you've got to get back up as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. Now I'm I'm really glad that you brought up the pressing because it's actually something I really want to step onto. Obviously, I know that you've you've said that you and Luke have been working a lot together. You've brought his stone game up like 100 percent and he's brought your pressing game up like 100 percent Your pressing is just becoming really, really, really great. And um it's very exciting because I know a couple of years back a lot of people were saying, you know, he's so strong. He's fantastic at these moving events, but you know the pressing, and yeah. I think even back then it was a little bit of the deadlifting, which has come on leaps and bounds now, was kind of holding him back. And now we've kind of seen you've you've gone away, you've taken that positive criticism. You guys have gone to fucking work, and you've come back. And hey, man, the results are now showing for themselves. You know what I mean? We're taking those high level podium spots and big big competitions. You're looking confident on these things. It's very exciting to see. So I want to know. For you getting into the pressing, what is it that has elevated your confidence? Is it a different way of training around it? Is it a different way of approaching competitions? Are you trying new accessory lifts out that you're finding is having a decent transfer? What 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 has taken like this huge leap in, in your uh, pressing? Yeah, to be honest, I, I know people think there's a secret and stuff, but I think it's just hard work. I also because obviously, like in my eyes, Luke's the best law presser in the world right now. Uh, He's, well, 221 British record. That's the second person to press over that. So, you know, having Luke there is key as well because, like, you pick up the way he presses, you pick up the way he cleans a log and stuff, and he's really taught me how to, like, tuck a log in. And the clean. For me, the thing you'll lose a log in is if you don't clean the log right. Um, some people clean a log and try and, like, sort the grip out, out up here, which takes up. Like takes so much energy to do that. You want to do it from you want to A to B and impress, you know. And when I when I kind of first started pressing and stuff, um, I didn't really have any technique. I just tried to force it up, you know, like try to use my brute strength. Just like right, I can I'm decent at deadlifting and stuff. Let's just brute strength, you know. It can't be that hard. And yeah, um, it was hard. It hobbles you quick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> having a coach as well, like I. Even having like Dan, my coach, he's really um, kind of got my pressing up as well. Um, well, I don't like with pressing; it's just really practicing on the log. You know, you can't like you can't go and press a bar and then think you're going to get pressed better. Sorry, a log press. Um, yeah. You know, because people always say to me, like, my push press is a hundred k, my log's eighty. Why can't I? Why can't I push but not log press it? 
like you're in different positions with a log, you're using more tricep, you're pressing more behind you, you've got a big thick thing, metal thing in front of you, which is like out to here and your arms are here, <laughs> not, you're not here, you know, so yeah. it's all different, yeah, it's all different kind of hand positions, leg positions, and, and that, that people don't really understand that, you know, they just think, right, I can press a bar, I can press a log, and uh, like I can press a log easier than I can press a bar, but that's just because okay. I use log 99% of the time. So what I kind of did was I started doing like two log sessions a week. Uh, so like I pressed 210 in the gym. So to get me up to that, I did uh, two log sessions in a week. One kind of technique work. Right. And uh, so really like just, well, our wooden logs 140 empty. So like just did 140, clean, position myself, press. Just really get that nailed into my head. And then end of the week would be like a heavy week so like a heavy double or a heavy triple and then maybe like a heavy clean so like 120 percent or clean so like say my say for example someone has a 140 max log try and put 160 170 on and just clean it and really get used to that heavy poundage on your chest with your elbows high yeah. sitting there because when you press when you uh, bend those knees sometimes a log can tilt off your chest and that's when you know your elbows aren't high and you're in that, you're not stable, you know, your core is not strong enough to kind of deal with that load. So, you know, I did all that. I did a lot of beltless work as well. Um, beltless work is 100% key for log because, you know, you can have to, you have to then squeeze, squeeze your core to, you know, balance yourself. Obviously, again, you have to work those, uh, the wee muscles are really key. You know, the working your whole deltoid, so your front, your side and your back, uh, Delt are really important as well. Um, I, I lagged. I didn't used to really train rear delts, and uh, I could really feel a difference with the snap of the log. Then I started adding rear delts in and face pulls, and those two things have will change your log press 100%. Um, but you know, most people would just say it's you need to train on a log. You know, like uh, train on a log, and then just doing whatever your weakness is. You know, if it's a clean working on your clean. The only way you're going to work on your clean is by cleaning a log. The only way you're going to work on your press is by obviously training a log, but then strengthening your tricep. And there's nothing kind of... Well, I've trained the same accessories for the last two to three years, but maybe just added like more weight on or okay. maybe like one or two different exercises. But I've like always done push-downs. I've always done skull crushes. I've always done bicep curls. Um, there's nothing like magic that i'm doing to make my log go better it's just hard work like you said you know my log if you look at it like it's taken me a while to get my log pressed to where it is um and it was the same with like say like shorter people the stones it takes them a while because they just have to do different techniques and like the likes of me and you like we struggle with pressing and stuff but we've got advantages in different things and you know you can just <laughs> i like, just like you can, people can just sit and moan and say oh I've got too long arms to press, but you just have to practice, you know. Practice makes perfect, and you just um like now I can just flick up a log and like on my bad day I can hit one ninety, whereas maybe a year half ago, two years ago maybe no last January Britain's strongest man twenty twenty I failed a one eighty log, so you know it's gone, it's going up consistently. I won the log at the world as well, so it's just about for me. Uh, like specifically, it's if there's a log in the competition, 
I really over exaggerate training it. So like that log ladder, uh, it was it's going to be it was a log ladder at Worlds. It was outside, so we put everything outside, and like you said, there's no focus point. There's nothing. So we then started training with that because you train in a gym, you've got a focus point. You know, you really have to then just train at that. And I always say to people as well, to get yourself better at an event. So for example, get yourself better at pressing. Train as like train in difficult situations. So don't wear belts, don't wear sleeves, don't wear wrist straps. Uh, train on maybe like an unbalanced log or train on, you know, just make yourself like train on uneven ground and stuff. Yeah. You know, we've got a Viking press outside and uh, we're training that on uneven ground. We were doing loading on uneven ground. We used to do log press on gravel, you know. So then when we went into a competition, our feet were like, wow, this is, this is a miracle, you know. So yeah, <laughs> make yourself uncomfortable. Put yourself in uncomfortable positions in the gym so you can like fight easy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's why I always say practice hard, compete easy. And like you hit the nail yeah. on the head there. Like for you guys, it's it's kind of the reverse because you have these international shows. A lot of them are indoors, arenas, stage. Usually the platforms yeah. and everything are pretty good unless they're taking a battering during the event. Now, if you're training on the in the outside and you're getting conditioned to that, then obviously when you come across, everything seems easier. But if we look at the grassroots, because we know the grassroots strongman scene is huge in England. There are tons and tons of cops going on everywhere. 99% of the time, they're going to be outdoors. They're going to be in a car park. They're going to be at a rugby club, a football club, somewhere in the back end of nowhere with about 20 different people. And they're always going to be on an uneven grass surface or an uneven concrete surface. So for all of those aspiring strongmen and women that are out there that are training in gyms, get outside and start doing stuff on uneven floors because as soon as yeah, you transition like, to gyms, it screws you up. I mean, especially the event stuff, you know, like like you said yeah. there, you know, you can do your gym lifts, but really if you've got, say, a novice comp, like you said, an uneven, you know it's uneven ground, you know, you don't want to go and do a yoke or a farmer's on inside a 40-meter gym that's got the perfect flooring. Try and yeah. go outside in rainy weather and uneven ground and just make yourself because you know it's, if it rains 90 percent of the time it rains when you're doing these competitions as well uh so you want to kind of like you said put yourself in that really uncomfortable situation so when you go there you're like oh i've done it outside it's raining who cares you know and then yeah. everybody else around you will feel that positive kind of energy and they'll be like oh crap he's he's feeling he looks confident you can tell if someone's looking confident or not as well so yeah, you know. <laughs> 100%, 100%. And, and, and I completely agree with that. You know, the, especially during this lockdown and stuff, the, there have been a lot of times where it's like, okay, I, I meant to go outside and do like a bunch of sandbag work and grip work, but it's starting to piss down with rain and it's miserable. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I know in my head, anyone with any form of common sense isn't going to go outside right now. Anyone that has any common sense isn't going to try and lift right now, which means what happens. If I go and lift, I'm one up on them because they're, yeah, yeah, like, they're not willing to do it's that. that. It's always that 1% you need to do, you know, like you can, if you're the hardest worker in the room, you're more than likely going to win a comp. You don't have to be the most gifted. Like if you can outwork someone 100%. by 1%, you're going into that competition already beating them, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, massively so, massively so. Now, um, am I right in saying, is it Dan Hip Hipkiss that you're working with? Yeah, Dan Hipkiss is my coach. Sick. So wh when did you guys first kind of connect? How long ago has this been going on now? Uh, it was at it was at a deadlift championships. It was I think 
if I'm wrong, I think it might have been 2019. Let's just say that because it could have been 2020 because there was nothing on. <laughs> yeah, that's a dead year, bro. Let's just forget that year ever happened. Like. <laughs> I was with Delroy McQueen, who was a who's a fantastic coach and stuff. But um, yeah, I just think uh, like I couldn't get into that next level. You know, um, basically what I did was I I deadlifted and it was my first 400. I pulled a Delroy in the in a comp, and then I got a message from Dan the next day saying, "I'll take your like." You know, nice deadlift, etc., etc. But maybe take your legs in a wee bit, and because uh, I was trying to pull like the tall people, because like Brian Shaw, really with wide stance, and um, I was losing a lot of power. So Dan just said, "Yeah, take your legs in, and if you're what willing to, you know, I'll take you under my wing for three or four months to try and see how we are." And I was like, I knew Dan from like the junior days when he had Paul Smith and etc. Yeah. So I was around him, and I knew kind of. His experiences, his, his knowledge. So, and I like, like I love Dan to bits as well. And uh, but the hardest thing is, is trying to put your trust in somebody that knew, you know. And that's what a lot of people don't like. But I went with Dan. I was like, you know, stuff it. I'm still young in this sport. Four months ain't long. And uh, yeah, Dan put me to places that I never thought. I mean, you know, I I think my best deadlift now for 400 is four five four reps. You know, at 400 within. Oh, like, I think yeah. two years and then you know deadlifting 420 for doubles it's you know law pressing 210 winning second place at World Strongest Man two world record Atlas no three world record Atlas stones so you know being with Dan that short time second at Britain's Strongest Man as well it's always been an improvement and uh, yeah it's mental like a lot of people don't know who Dan is still or you know like they Unless you're deep thing. in the strongman scene, I think a lot of yeah, people yeah. deep in the strongman scene know him. But I think you're right; a lot of people don't have a clue who he is. But he's a yeah, fucking I mean, like, legend. When you when you see Dan, like Dan has a lot of like he's a novice and kind of like intermediate strongmans and still like under one hundred fives, one tens. But he never really has like I don't think he's never had like a pro pro. And you know, I'm glad because like I like to have a coach that's like my own kind of one and. But like any other person in the open, he doesn't have. It's just me. So it's quite a cool feeling to know that he's 100% like wanting me to win, supporting me. He doesn't have like, say, for example, he doesn't have the Novikov or for to you know, to train as well. Yeah. So he's got a full like belief and he's got his full time into me. He's on, He's recently took on my brother Luke as well, who's it is going to be great as well because now he knows because Luke was just following my training but obviously following someone's training who's got a plan is not the best so now he's got his own stuff as well so yeah Dan you can't speak enough for Dan you know he's changed his life and he's made me kind of who I am today you know it's, I thought I've done the hard work it's I would have never known how to like do half the stuff you know and, like people laugh when I'm in the gym because I do like box jumps and some I'm jumping around like a fairy half the time and they're like what are you doing Tom? I was like, well, you can laugh at me if you want, but look what's going to happen. And, like, that's some of the stuff I would never think, like, why am I doing box squats or why am I uh, jumping to a box? Why am I jumping to the other side of the gym? Why am I doing all these? Why am I hopping? It's like, I'm a strong man. Not... And then when, when you get that into effect, you're like, wow, this helps because it's explosive power, everything. So it's just the knowledge he's got and the different kind of training stuff he does is, is unbelievable, you know, and, yeah, he's really kind of helped me grow as an athlete. And even like, we're not, he's not just a coach, he's a friend as well. That's what you need with a coach. You need someone that you can trust for your life and kind of, you know, you can tell them things. And, you know, if you're down, you can go to them and stuff. And I can do that with Dan and he listens. So it's, 
like a really good guy to have in your side, you know, and he's going to have a world's strongest man as a, a title, as a coach as well, which is going to be good soon. So. Oh, bro, I don't fucking doubt that for a single second. I don't doubt for a single second. And listen, I want, I want to touch back on that point because I think it's really important, you know, at the time of doing this, you know, that you reach out with him, you're already on the world's strongest man scene, right? You've already qualified. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm running up last year, qualified this year, so I'm bringing June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you when you first met Dan, or was it back in like 2019, 2018? Like, you know, you've all, already been on the world's strongest man like circuits. You've already been on the international circuits. Yeah, yeah, You're already yeah, at the yeah. highest level, realistically. I think it's really important to hop off here and say, you know, for a lot of people, you're at the top of your game. You know, you're competing against the best people. You have reached pretty much, unless you win the World's Strongest Man, you've reached the, the highest stature of, of competition that you can do. For someone to have the, you know, the amount of introspect to say, I'm at the top level, I'm competing with the best guys in the world, I'm in the best shape I've ever been, but I think I can get more out of my body. I think that's really, really, really cool that you've just been able to kind of push that ego to one side and be like, look, if I really want this and I want to get that first podium spot, then I know I need to keep on progressing. It's not just a case of, hey, look at me. I'm on the world's strongest man stage. Look at how fucking good I am. Look at how big my dick is. It's I mean, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's no point. I mean, why would you celebrate when, for me, second place in a win, you know, if all to one million people in the world, that could be all your second in the world. But, like, you know, Novikov is the man that deserves to kind of, like, you know, have a part, celebrate, you know, he can go around saying, like, he is the world's strongest man, etc. Like, until you actually win it, you need to stay humble. I'll stay humble even if I win it as well. Like, my trophy's nowhere in my sight, like, in my second place trophy. I don't have it in my sight because I don't even, I'm just going around like I've not, like, I'm not, not the second yet. best in the world. Yeah, like, I've, like, this, it's, it's, a, it's a massive thing. But if I have it in my house and just keep looking at it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I did all right. But, like, if I don't have it there, I want to fight and I'm hungry for it, you know, and uh, That's genius. it's just, you know, even when I win it, you know, even when I win it, I, I, you know, look at it for a while. Yes. Enjoy the celebrations. But then I'd put it away and go, right. What do I want to do now? Do I want to go and back and retain the title or do I want to give it up? You know, cause it's just, that's just questions going through my head, but I've always been humbled. I've never been, I'm never like that guy that goes, Oh, I'm better than everybody else, you know, because yeah. like, well, like for example, look what happened to that Woos Bahrain. You know, I came fifth, at Bahrain, and then there's a lot of people going off. What happened to Tom? What I know, Luke's done fourth place, blah blah. This, but you have to realize that world's strongest man is really event orientated. So, like this year, I could go in and have five final events that are amazing for me. That I could, <laughs> yeah. and when or I could go into the final, and it could be all Brian just Tom clean up, yeah. yeah. And I'll be like, oh crap, like oh, these are the worst events for me. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, of all you can train everything and be good, there's always, there's always kind of, World Strongest Man always is that, like, right, these events are a bit better for these guys. So that's why, like, there's always different winners at Worlds now. There's always people, different people being in podium. There's always, it's like, someone might finish first one year, 10th the next year. One might not make the final. You know, it's yeah. all different. And a lot of people always look up the last comp they do. So, oh, this person's come seventh at Europe's strongest man how is he going to win worlds and they don't really realize that like you know you're going into some competitions that you're your weakness at or you can hardly train or there's 
You know, like, Bahrain, I was 184 kilograms, but the reason I went over to Bahrain was to get comp fit. You know, this is what I've told everyone. Like, I, I said in my head, I said on camera, on my YouTube, I said to the Mulligans for our documentary that I was going to Bahrain not to win. And when you say not to win, you've already not won in your mind. So there's not even point saying, like, trying to, like, reverse that. I've already said that. I said that to YouTube. I said that to social media. And I said that to the documentary, I'm not going over to Bahrain to win. I said, I want to finish maybe top six. I just want to get comp fit because not having a comp from November to June would be yeah, too long. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could I could have turned up to Worlds been 185K thinking, oh, I've been strong in the gym. But then, boom, it could all crumble down. Like I wasn't conditioned at Bahrain. I still came setting and loading, but that was slow. You know, my stones, I nearly marked my stones. I still want it, but I still like slipped on the last stone, you know, and you're like, this is glad it's happened now because if this happened at World Strongest, man, I could have been beating myself up. So, you know, and you can see every single person that was there that's got a qualification for Worlds said the same thing. They're going to get comp fit, you know, and yeah. you need comp fit because there's a lot of people that are going to be training in the gym. So there's probably people that some of the UK athletes and other athletes in Europe haven't had a comp since November. They won't have that till June. So they'll be in the gym looking strong feeling good but then it's too, you need you won't know anything until you're up yeah. against an apple you know and that's it, like I said that's what, like, that's what Luke said you know like Luke didn't do well at Worlds he redeemed himself a bit at Bahrain but then he still got work to do you know we weren't conditioned we were unfit we put on too much weight too quickly so you know it's all them things now we're like now we know exactly what to do I know that I'm going to bring the package I brought last year but 10% more and you know, yeah. then I don't think I can get beaten. So, like, cause there's all different kind of phase and stuff with it all, you know, and people kind of jump at you too quick if you perform. It's like the same I always, like, you know, with football, it's like Ronaldo, he can't, every weekend he can't go and perform football at his highest level. You know, like, he, if he scores an own goal, that doesn't mean, oh, he's the worst footballer on the planet. You know, he might have two or three games that are bad out the whole season, but then people remember those two or three games, which, bizarre to me you know so <laughs> yeah it's it's funny that you mentioned that because it's so 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 true is that people love to highlight and pick up on those you know those little slip-ups but then they're never like hey man remember that game where he scored five goals in under like 35 minutes and you're like yeah. oh no i completely forgot that it's like yeah it's so 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 true we do love to kind of get focused and drawn towards these things but I love that you've said that, that, you know, in your head that Bahrain was just making sure that you're comp fit because I love that the both of you keep on coming around to this thing that, you know, you want to dominate at Britain's, you want to dominate at Europe's and you want to get back to Wales and you want to basically finish the job that you started last year, which is the yeah, I mean, first trophy. Like, you have to think as well, we're in a pandemic right now. We're not, our first comp of the year is June, which is, in, like an unheard of in the strongman scene, yeah. Uh, and then we've got one in July, August, September, October, November, December. I think there's nine comps, ten comps from June to December. So, like, we've got more comps. Giants got more comps. Arnold's, I've got the two Arnold's coming now. It's like Brian Shaw's comps. You know, you're like, when does <laughs> it stop? You, know, you you can't go. You can't be like, right, I'm going to win all these eleven shows because that's impossible. That's not humanly possible to win all 11 shows, no matter what anybody says. So that's where you have to go, right? You know, World's Strongest Man's every single person's focus this year. 
like uh, sort of mine and Luke's focus, like we've written down everything. So that's our net first goal is get there, get podium or get to the final and see what happens. Then after that, it's like, right, what do we do now? Do we peak for Britons? Do we peak for Europe's? Do we peak for, you know, Wolves? So you have to then go to your next comp and see what is beneficial, you know? So yeah, um, you can't peak at every comp. It's just, I remember after, I think it was World Strongest Man, or there was a comp in Dubai or something, Wolves, and then I flew back and then the next week I was competing at Wembley and Giants ended up coming 10th and I was like, I'm beaten, you know, like everybody, like Martins ended up winning it, but he was sixth to the second last event or something. So, you know, you have to be, it's, that's the thing with Strowman, you have to really be smart because yeah. it's a, you, want to, you want to make a career out of it. Like I could go and do every comp, put my body on the line and then end up tearing something and then boom, you know, 26 years old, retired from the sport because he can't, you know, because he's just been stupid. So I'd rather have longevity and pick and choose the comps, which the good thing that I'm in position in, I can pick and choose the comps now, you know. I can go, right, I don't want to do this comp because I don't think it's going to benefit me in the long run. So it's quite, you know, it's quite good to have that control now, but you just have to be smart, you know. It's, yeah. It's You see a lot of the kind of novice people like, oh, let's do 10 comps in a year. You know, like, because obviously... I mean, it's not disrespect to them. They just want to get experience and they just want to be... Yeah. Well, love competing. But yeah, you can love competing, but then you have to think, if you do 10 clubs in a year, will you survive Stroman for 10, 11 years, you know? So... Yeah, and also I think it's it's one of those things. You know, unless it is a confidence thing, and it's like, okay, the reason I'm not winning these novice comps is because I'm just so nervous under these implements and whatever. It's like, okay, well, why why don't you just take a little bit of time to yourself in the gym, work through these things, get yeah. confident, and then come back and do them. And I think you're right. Like picking and choosing your comps seems to be a really similar reoccurring theme for anyone that is at this kind of like upper echelon of, of, of strongman like you guys are, where it's like, you know, you're going to have these crazy loads going through your body. Everyone knows that post competition, like your central nervous system is going to be shagged to pieces. So trying to compete every single weekend, it's absolutely, it's so destructive to your own body and your own progress. And your own potential as well, because you're constantly getting in your own way rather than being like, okay, let's take a few weeks off. Let's take a month out. Let's rest and recover. Let's go to this comp and let's really show everyone what I can actually do. And it's like, you know, Novikov the year before he he won uh, Worlds, he was like when the world was, was back to normal, he was like, uh, he was competing like 40, 40 times a year or something crazy. Uh, and it's uh, like how, like, you can never expect to compete 40 times in a year and then rock up to Arnold's and win it, then rock up to our strongest <laughs> man and win it. And it's like, yeah, no shit. He kept on turning up to all of these comps and he looked tired. And it's like, yeah, I'd be tired too if I had to do 40 comps in a year at pro standard. That's insane. So I think what's really exciting now is it's like, right, we've had this pandemic. We've had this clean slate. Everyone's had like six to eight months clean just by themselves doing whatever they've got to do. Now the fucking shutters are rolling up and everyone's finally showing what they've got to display. It's like, okay, right. This is the package that we're bringing now. And I think this is the really, really exciting thing. So I want to kind of, I want to touch on a, a little bit 
how are how are you and Luke training uh, kind of intercomp? Like, what what are you doing between competitions if you're doing anything compared to how you've kind of taken about your training now, where you've had these huge kind of six eight month blocks where you've you know been able to get some really great progression in. So how we're going for worlds or just in general? Just in general, like how how would you usually balance your like intercomp yeah. training and whatever compared to like this yeah, new I mean, kind of off season, if you will. Yeah, I mean, like, when we're in kind of comp season, if you say something like that, um, yeah, it's, it is a lot of kind of, it's full on. Um, so let's just say World Strongest Man last year. Obviously, that was a big pandemic. You know, when the pandemic started kind of February time, then we kept getting told Worlds was April, May, Worlds was June, Worlds was July, blah, 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 blah. And then eventually <laughs> I went to November. So, you know, that's a good year to do because that's really, really hard because we kept peaking and then getting told it's not on. Then you get a bit of like, you get a bit of like, not, it's not post-comp depression, but it's kind of like a bit of depression. Yeah, you're it's like, like the blues afterwards, isn't I it? All, yeah. I put all this effort into this one month and boom, it's not even going to happen. And then they kept saying it's going to get cancelled. But anyway, the, it's like, it's really hard because it's really hard mentally more than it is physically. Um, you know, like, training up to that world's strongest man, I had two world records to do before, and, like, luckily I had that because that kept me in, me sane. Yeah. And uh, for me, I thought I wasn't going to perform at world's strongest man very good because, like, they were heavy loads, and I was training literally, like, my training for that was things I never really experienced before, you know, like, I was getting dark, I was getting really dark thoughts. I was coming home and just like being angry and gurney to the missus. I just was just in different places that I never have ever been in the gym. And it was scaring me. And I was like, well, I have to do this to get to this record. And then, cause I, so like, I was just like, I wasn't like I was in usual training cycles or stuff. You know, I was always yeah. just angry and like always at this level, like I want to, Always out of 10, you know, out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking rips our head off. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's like, when, when I was doing those world records, they came and I, after I did the last one, it just, everything just went off my shoulder. The weight was just like, whew. Okay. Because obviously, I thought that was more pressure than was because people expected me to do it because I'm like the king of the stones. They, they expect me to do like a 400k stone, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I, they, they think I can pick up anything. So like, they were like, oh, Tom's going to do it. They're not even point, like, Saying he's not, and that's when you're like, even reading them, you're like, like if I map this up, this is massive for me because like, <laughs> yeah. my name, and my name as King of the Stones is gonna go down. So it's kind of, it was so so like hard having all that pressure, even trying to motivate myself to train every day, and just being in those constant moods was just a really bad thing. You know, I hated every minute of it. I didn't enjoy training, but I still still going in to do it. Uh, just to try and do this one record, you know? And uh, when those records last, like, after those records, it kind of, like I said, I just got post-depression, like, you know, oh, that's it, done. What do I do now? Yeah. Worlds wasn't still announced. Nothing was happening. I was like, was that me done for the year then? Do I just sit, not train, and just get a bit depressed and stuff? So it was kind of, that was a really bad thing. Because, like, obviously Luke didn't have, Luke was doing the log, but it wasn't as kind of, 
much as much pressure on his body. He uh, he kind of dealt with it more better. But then after basically after them anyway, I think we found out Worlds was November. So from I think May June was it some from there from June till November. Um, so I took like a month off the gym, you know, just trying to. I when I when I take a month or when I have off season, um, I really don't think about the gym. Don't lift. Don't act like an athlete. Don't okay. eat. Diet. Don't do my diet. Just go out with my mates, have a few drinks, live my life. Because try, if you live, if you die and be a straw man twenty four seven, whoever says that is lying one hundred percent. I've tried it and I've went backwards in the sport. Um, it's not good for you. Like it's not good for like your marriage, your health. It's not good for nothing. You really need to have that balance. You find that balance and everything will go smoothly. So, you know, after the stones, I kind of just had a month and a half where I was like, you know, stuff it. I don't need to lift weights because I'm not going to get any weaker in a month. Um, I'll just go and eat what I want so I still maintain size and I'll just have fun and literally have all the stress off me. I think that was the best thing I've ever done because when I went back to the gym, I was so itching to get back because what five weeks off the gym, you're like, Oh, like I was itching to get back. I was back to being happy. I was back to being like stress free, and I was just ready for to like conquer World Strongest Man. And like the training just started. The training just got back to what it used to be. Like I was happy. I was just enjoying life. You know, going home, then spending time with the missus. Just all that kind of stuff. You know. And for me, it's always even like I sort of say like when I'm not competing, I'll live my life. You know. But when I'm, I'm competing, I sacrifice everything to be the best or to do that thing. That's what that's the example I said with the stone, you know, of always getting really hard, you know, pushing people away. I still had to do it because I knew it was only going to be for eight weeks and then my life would be back to normal. And that's just what happened with Worlds. It's like that Worlds training was 16, 14, 16 weeks. I was like, let's get this 16 weeks over with. Then we can enjoy some Christmas time, you know, the festive season. We can actually enjoy it, you know, and that's what I did. I did it 16 weeks or like, Literally live, breathe, and train strong, man. I didn't hardly see my family, hardly didn't see my wife, hardly didn't see no one. It was just through texts and stuff. And then did that, came second place, and then was like, right, done second place. You have the trophy, hide the trophy, and I'm just going to go and live my life for a month and a half. And then I did. <coughs> and then it's been kind of a big off season since then. <laughs> one giant yeah. off season, enjoying yourself. Yeah, so that's the hard. <laughs> Hardest, actually, hardest thing for is like because like January was meant to be Britain's strongest man, yeah. and that is the hardest thing because like usually, like, so that I, after Worlds, I just mucked around to December and then I got my comp mode like comp game back on to then get told Britain's is off, and you're like, right, when is it? And then getting told there's nothing then to Worlds, and I was like, right, come, let's go, just chill out now, I don't need to start anything and then you get told Bahrain's on and you're like well geez I have to restart so it is really hard getting told when there's comps there's no comps comps are going to be here you know so it's very because like Britain's strongest man was a lot of light stuff conditioning so I was like working on that whereas then Bahrain was heavier so I was like oh crap you know what am I going to do so yeah it's it is a pretty jumbled up thing I do but I like I, off season I just enjoy myself as much as I can you know
Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really it's nice to hear you speak so maturely about it all. Like you've really, really, really got your head screwed on about all of this sort of stuff now, and it's brilliant to hear. Like it's really, really, really good to hear because for anyone that wants to have longevity in this space, for anyone that wants to take multiple titles over multiple years and create the legacy that that you and your brother are creating without a shadow of a doubt, these are the things that have to be done. And I think the world is is very quickly waking up to what you guys have in store for us and, and what you guys are, uh, are actually truly yeah, I mean, uh, I'll do another point. I'll do another point there because, you know, a lot of people in this day and age and in this life are scared to take risks and are scared to jump into something, you know, like, so I became a professional from, I literally went, I didn't tell my wife, I had it all planned in my head, drove to my work, put my tie down, wrote a note, walked out, came home and my wife was like, why are you not at work? I said, like, I've quit work. <laughs> so I had no, like no money. It was like a month before Christmas and then she was like, oh shit, what are you going to do? I said, well, at the end of the day, I want to do what I want to love and I said like, I, you know, perform good at Britain's and it's all just, it all just like came itself, you know, and it was like a big roller coaster, but it was worth it because you know, that's what you have to do, you know, and like, that's why I don't really tell, like, I didn't want to tell her, because if I told her, she would have probably convinced me to say, nah, you're not doing it, because it's a too big a risk, but like, a job's a job, you can go back to a job, you know, you can, literally, there's thousands of jobs you can do, any 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 job you could do, you could get, yeah. if you wanted one so badly, so, with like this, with being a professional athlete, or whatever sport, you need to, and it was Eddie Hodder in like inspired inspired me when I watched his documentary when he just said he quit and I was like, well stuff this, you know. Um I'm just gonna get up, go to work, quit. I was doing like fourteen hour shifts and trying to go to the gym and I was like, this is not working for me. And yeah. I just was like, no, nah, let's just do it. So I just quit and then within the first month of quitting my job I was like so much more relief. I was like, Jesus yeah. is a life, you know. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, taking risks. Like, I've never like I said earlier, I've never ever taken risks in my life and that was my first biggest risk. And I was like you know, if I can do that, I can do anything. So, you know, and when going back to like the German stuff, you have to be consistent in what you do as well. You know, you can't just, you know, yeah. go and enter a competition and think, right, I'm going to go and win this. Or you can't just expect good things to happen straight away. You know, you can't expect to quit your job and go, right, I'm going to get sponsors. I'm going to get all this kind of stuff. You know, you need to work your, your like, ass off to it. And, you know, I did that and, just be, be consistent is the most important thing, I think, for anybody, uh, for anything they do, you know. You have to, if you go to the gym, you can't just go to the gym Monday to Friday and go on the piss on the weekends. Uh, believe me, I've done that and it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I'll hold my hands. Yeah, I did that in my young years too, but I think we all did. <laughs> it, makes your, it, makes, it makes your training, like, it makes you go from a five-day week to like a three-day week, you know, training. And that's what, a lot of people don't like, they're like, oh, they can do the training, but they can't do the eating, they can't do the recovery. It's like, well, why can't you do that? You know, <laughs> the recovery and eating is easy. You're, you're a straw man. You're not exactly eating chicken and rice all the time. You're eating donuts. You're eating nice food. You know, your recovery is just lying in bed or lying, doing, doing like a massage. You know, it's not exactly anything kind of hard or yeah. So it's a lot of people make excuses, but like they can still go out and drink and do that kind of stuff, you know, and that's when I started because I was making excuses. I was like, I can't even cover, but I was out partying. I was like, well, 
I can't recover. I just don't want to. So, <laughs> I but it's when you find consistency in what you do, that's when the results come. It's not like, oh, right, you're the like. So, so if I, Matt, you're, you could be like in the gym six days a week. I could be in the gym three days a week. But if I'm doing the same thing every day consistently, I'll beat you because, like you know, I'm I'm just consistent in what I do. If you only do like the gym and then go home and go right, I'm going for a pint or I'm just going to go and fuck around you're not going to ever get better at what you do so yeah consistency is 100% key from even being a a first timer you know even if you're like look at this straw man or look at watch this and go I want to be the next Tom Stoltman or whatever and you're like well I'm never going to do that because he's a world strongest man it's like it's going to happen 100% no matter what age you are you know like Mark Felix is a prime example of 52 years old and he's been to the last six, six, seven world strongest mans he's mental and then you know so it's anyone can do it and it's just being consistent and looking after your body you know yeah a hundred percent oh yeah i completely agree with everything you said that you you've really really hit the nail on the head that you have to respect and look after your body but kind of talking about this and, and being smart and thinking about these things i i, I want to end the, the the podcast now with you in the same way they end it with everyone because I think, you know, it's a it's very, very interesting question. It gets people thinking uh, a lot and everyone has a completely different response to it. So for a second, I want you to imagine that you are stepping into a time machine. This time machine takes you back in time to when you, you yourself are 10, 11, 12 years of age. Very, very formative. We've got a lot of stuff pumping around our minds, all of these different stimulus around us. And it's very, very overwhelming time for us. In those few moments that you get to visit your younger self, you get to have a chat with them. You get to impart a bit of wisdom, a bit of knowledge to your younger self, maybe a way to live your life, something to help that young man get through all of the trials and tribulations and shit you know is going to get thrown out of you ahead of time. In those few moments, what do you say to yourself? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably just be confident, you know, because... Um, like I said, like I'm, I'm just going to say something for autistic people because when you're a, when so far it's out right. I'm 26 now, but I can't. When autistic people look back at their childhoods or where they got diagnosed for, so it's not like you got diagnosed at six, seven, eight, whatever, they can't remember that. So it's like a blockage in the brain. Okay. So it goes like a nightmare. So they choose to forget that. So I can't actually physically remember anything from four years old, five years old, six, seven, eight, nine years old, because uh, my brain's just kind of wiped that away because it's like a, a nightmare. So, yeah, right. but, I, yeah, that's, so, like, that's what I would say. I would just be like, I don't know, in my head it would be like, be normal because that's what people said to me back then is be normal, but I am normal. But, like, you know, when you're a 10-year-old with that tortoise, you'd be like, yeah, be normal. But it would be just be more confident and 100% because, if you see me when I was younger, like you said, you've even seen me grow from being not confident to being confident. So yeah, as a kid, I was one word, one word, Tony. You know, so yeah, yeah so 100% be confident. You know, confidence is good, not cocky. Cocky's not. Confidence is good for like so. Very true, very true. Man, yeah, hit the nail on the head. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think, you know, when you hold yourself with a little bit more confidence, you just straight away, you you ask for more respect from everyone that you come into contact with. And I think that that's really big. And that, again, kind of 
it, it keeps maybe some of the the people that want to take little stabs and jabs at you. It just kind of keeps them away because they're like, oh, okay, this uh, this 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 guy is quite quite confident, and he's six foot fucking eight. So I'm not going to try anything. <laughs> so man, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on board, brother. Thank you so much for doing this, man. It's been really really cool. I'm so excited for the rest of this year, brother. I cannot tell you how excited I am, man. All eyes watching tons and tons of support keep it up keep smashing the youtube keep smashing the world records just keep on being you brother because it's fucking cool to see man it really really is and hey world's strongest man first and second place stoltman brothers one day man. we're all rooting for it we're all rooting for it anyway have a good day